Hello and welcome to the Stringer Podcast number 42. Dill, shit's a changing, man. I, I can't even see you right now. You used to, I used to look at you right in the eyes and now all I see is your back. We've added another desk, another setup, like a like an official production area uh, in the podcast room, which is great, except I don't get to look into Dylan's sweet, sweet baby blues. No, not even close. Baby Browns. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, we can't look at the sweet, sweet baby Browns. Sasky Stewart on the podcast today. You probably, if you are interested in hockey at all, you most likely know her name. She uh, was part of the administration, I guess you can say, in the Australian Ice Hockey League. Uh, she's been part of the NHL, the WHL, the CWHL. She does everything. If there's like frozen water and a puck involved, Sasky has probably been there. You can find her on Twitter at Sasky, S-A-S-K-Y, and on Instagram at Sasky. That's one of those. You know she got in early because she didn't have to add any like underscores, numbers, dumb numbers to her thing. She's just straight Sasky. What a great handle. Conversation's a ton of fun. I was really happy to have her in here. Um, we've our relation, friendship, relationship, whatever you want, working relationship goes back, I think, almost a decade now. We get into it on the podcast. Uh, before we get to the Stringer Big Weekend, we have a new series out, Dill. I didn't. I don't know why I've never promoted these before on the podcast. Kings of Concacaf. It's a follow up to last year's Chasing History, where we team up with Concacaf, um, a soccer federation in this part of the world, and Major League Soccer for uh, a six part series. You can find on YouTube.com/slash/MLS. The first episode is out. All right, looking at the weekend, Friday, March eighth. It's International Women's Day. Dill, this goes out to all the special women in our life. All of them. Think of our moms. I think of good friend Kat Stavankovich, Alana Memi in the music industry, big time instrumental in my life. Instrumental, that wasn't meant to be a pun, music industry, boo clay. And also the funny women in her life, I think of Rachel Bonetta who just got off a great improv bet uh, on the weekend in LA, and also former guest of the pod, Julie Stewart-Banks, recent stand-up comedian. So staying with these amazing women and the funny women in our lives, we're promoting She the People. 7.30 p.m. at Second City. That's 51 Mercer Street in Toronto. She the People is a sketch show entirely created, designed, and performed by the fiercely funny women of the Second City. Get your tickets at secondcity.com slash Toronto. Saturday, March the 9th, Eric Church is at the Scotia Bank Arena, 40 Bay Street, 8 p.m. Doors open. I think doors open. And you can get your tickets by heading over to SeatGiant.com. SeatGiant is a marketplace that connects buyers and sellers all across North America. Whether you live in a big city or a small town, SeatGiant has the tickets to pretty much everything heading your way. With more than 3 million tickets available all the time, not 3 million for Eric Church, but just, you know, in general, SeatGiant has a distinct marketplace advantage. Head on over to SeatGiant.com to get your Eric Church tickets and use promo code STRINGER to save yourself a couple bucks off your purchase Sunday, March the 10th. Sports, cards, and beer. This sounds like something, Dill, that you and I would have a good time at. I thought there was an extra comma in there. I thought it was sports, cards, and beer. But it's sports cards. It's like hockey cards and baseball cards and memorabilia and all the fun stuff. It starts at 11 a.m. at the Brunswick Beer Works. Maybe a little early for a beer for some of us. Maybe not for others of us. 25 Curity Ave. Free craft beer tastings. That's right. Free craft beer tastings. Chef prepared barbecue and the highest standards of vendors who will be buying, selling, and trading the best selection of sports cards and memorabilia. Find out more information by heading to torontocardshow.com. Three things. 
You got stuff to do on the weekend. You're all set up. But remember, you don't have to listen to my ideas. They're not always great. Just ask Dylan. You know, this latest idea has me looking at his back and him not looking at me at all. Sounds like it worked out for one of us. So that means you might have your own plans on the weekend. You can do one of two things with that. You can either reach out to us, tell us what you got coming up, and we'll be happy to promote it. You can find us at Stringer Podcast on Twitter or events at thestringer.ca, or you can go to seatgiant.ca and figure out your own weekend for yourself. They got all sorts of stuff, concert tickets, sporting event tickets, theater tickets, live show tickets, which kind of goes without saying, comedy tickets. And if you use promo code STRINGER on whatever you decide on the weekend, you can save a couple dollars on your purchase. Dylan, I made it through another big weekend and I only flubbed up like seven times, but that's cool. That's the magic of editing, isn't it? Sasky Stewart coming up for you after the break, as I said, at Sasky on Twitter, at Sasky on Instagram. You know, we got ourselves in the mood for today's record. We got ourselves a little bit hyped up by listening to Cake. So we'll get to the damn sacks, but before then, we're going the distance. Reluctantly crouched at the starting line. Engines pumping and thumping in time. The green light flashes, the flags go up. Churning and burning, they yearn for the cup. They deftly maneuver and muscle for rank. Fuel burning fast on an empty tank. Reckless and wild, they pour through the turns. Their prowess is potent and secretly stern. As they speed through the finish, the flags go down. The fans get up and they get out of town. The arena is empty, except for one man still driving and striving as fast as he can. The sun has gone down and the moon has come up. And long ago somebody left with the cup. But he's driving and striving and hugging the turns and thinking of someone for whom. Really no, quick. no, this is a needs them to see half the time. Yeah. Me? I, go, I am I, like a foot away and my face hasn't changed in like five years. I'm 20-20, but they're uneven, so I have double vision. So I'm not short-sighted. I'm not long-sighted. I just see everything like slightly, like it, my eyes don't focus properly. Interesting. So yeah, it's, um, I can be- Curvature of the eyeball thing? Uh, to be honest, I don't even fucking know. Yeah. I just take the script and fill the glasses yeah. and I'm like, yeah. yeah. And, and the thing is like, I can get away with not wearing them, yeah. but the problem also is it gets to the end of the day and I was like, I can't read a thing. Like working at the Leafs, it'd get to like midnight sometimes and I'd be like, okay, plus the size yeah, on, yeah, the yeah, on the screen. I, uh... Or I wake up in the morning and I'm just like checking my phone and how I can, it's fine if I do this. Yeah. Because it's only one eye focusing. So yeah. I'll be there like right, laying in bed like this. And it's just like, this is dumb. This whole thing is dumb. I, I need to get them retested. I was, out, I was out for my buddy's birthday last weekend and it had been a long day already. Like I had a long day. I was two hours late, but I was like, whatever. It's because I have work to do. And I get there and one of, like, I think the basketball game or something's up on the screen. And I'm squinting and I'm looking at it. And, and Matt's like, Clay. Do you need glasses? I'm like, oh, I have glasses. <laughs> I just don't have them here. He's like, why aren't you wearing them? That's terrible for your eyes. I'm mm. like, have you ever seen me in glasses? No. I have like four or five pairs. Yeah. And they all sit at home. But f- the only time I really notice it is late at night. Yeah. I'm 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 a bit the same. I could wear them theoretically. I'm probably meant to wear them constantly. Mm-hmm. Um, but because I can get away with not wearing them, I do, and it's terrible, right? And uh, one of my girlfriends is just always like. 
why are you squinting? What are you doing? <laughs> Wear your glasses. And the other thing for me is um, I've had a couple of head injuries. So my like spatial awareness is quite bad yeah. on one side. And so if I'm not wearing glasses or, you know, even with them on, I tend to like clip, clip a corner. I clip corners. I clip the edge of couches. I just clip things. And my friends have all just got used to it by now. They're like, yeah, yeah fair. Yeah, okay, there. I always say I take corners too sharply yeah because i'll or i don't understand still how broad my shoulders are because i will forever like round a corner leave a doorway whatever and bonk hit it i can't say i have the broad shoulders part being literally a very small (laughs) like i'm not five foot tall and i'm like like 110 pounds (laughs) there is just nothing of me miss like misjudge but i still just do it if you haven't figured it out by that lovely accent already, Satsuki Stewart on the podcast. Hello. I've wanted this for so long. It's, it's like we always, when we'd run into each other, we worked in the same building for a while. We'd run into each other. It's like, oh, we got to catch up. Yes, we must catch up. And then we'd go about our business. I, yeah. And we never really would. It was very funny because I think uh, I kind of knew you before I moved to Canada. Like we, yes. we operated in the same kind of internet circles. And then... Uh, First of all, isn't that a funny thing to say? Yeah. Like, I'm not, we, we were born at the right time where we're like w- saying things like we operated in the same internet circles. It's still kind of like, did I really just say that? Completely. I think the first time we met, uh, you took me to a Raptors game. We'd never no, met. No, no. We had met long before that. I didn't that. think we had met because it was literally within the first six months of me moving to Canada. And I had said something about never having gone to a Raptors game. And you were like, okay, I have tickets. Let's go. And I um, had never been to a Raptors. I think that was the first Raptors game I'd ever been to. So the first NBA game I had ever been to. You're out of your mind. Yeah. We had 100% met before that. I say that without like without a doubt in my mind. Because it's not like... You, because you know when you're meeting someone for the first time where you're kind of like, I think I know what they look like. I've seen their display picture. But you're like scanning a crowd like or whatever. You're scanning... Or the lobby of the MLSE building. Exactly. Which is a slightly lesser you, you were at uh, NHL at the time. Uh, yeah, I had. Uh, I'm going to say I was because I'd been there since about. Uh, I started there two or three weeks into moving to Canada. Sense? Was it two or three weeks? Yeah, so I had actually started interviewing at the NHL uh, before I moved to Canada. Yep. They had an opening in maybe. Uh, the opening had gone up in maybe September mm-hmm. or. And or early October, um, and I had applied and then badgered everyone I knew who worked there or in the vicinity, and then kind of got into the interview process. And it was, you know, it wasn't a short interview process. I think I went through three or four different interviews, um, mm-hmm. and I was still in Australia at the time, so I'm doing all of this in Australia, you know, via Skype and all of that. And then I got to North America, and I had to come in and meet uh, a couple of people, so from the operations department. Just apparently, to kind of, that's how job interviews are done. Yeah, yeah I had yeah. to come in in person. <laughs> they want to be um, like, prove yourself. Yeah, they're like, are you a real person? Yeah. They were like, oh, <laughs> just come and meet these these two people from operations. Right. And by two people, I mean like it was Chris King and, and Mike Murphy who run the Situation Room. They're like, it's going to be uh, like. 25 minutes and I think I was there for nearly two hours talking to them and then I How got the job. How would that happen with you? Yeah, I know. Like, like <laughs> me talking and keeping on talking. Uh, I just don't know. And then I think like mid-December maybe. Yeah. Um, I had moved at the end of November, mid-December. They were like, hey, would you like a job at the NHL? And I was like, You're like hmm, that's a terrific let me idea. think about that. Did I move to Canada to do... Yes, yes, please. I can start right now. <laughs> but that wasn't your first, second or third time in Toronto. Uh, I How? think it was my... Yeah, some third or fourth maybe. Third yeah. or fourth. Yeah. I feel like we met at a Marley's game. 
I, I believe oh, we met inside yeah. Rico Coliseum. Yeah. I'm going to say 2009, Nine. maybe? Yep. Eight or nine. Kind yep. of, I came over that, that winter break. Because um, I don't think I went to the Marlies um, the second time I came. I okay. went to a couple of NHL games. Uh, but my friend was actually working uh, as a security guard uh, at the <laughs> of Marlies. Of course. Of course. Um, and Makes complete sense. Yeah. And so she had taken me along to a game. And I think they were playing Hamilton. And I just remember uh, there was a fight. Um, and I think it was like Daryl Boyce, Boyce had fought someone. And I had like climbed up on like one of the barricades and was just yelling at, at I think the person who was trying to fight him because he clearly did not want to fight this person and I um just was like unceremoniously giving it to whoever it was and my friend is like mm, maybe just tone it down a tiny bit I was like okay so yeah. funny enough I think not only do I remember that game I think I was also very early in my like trying to use a camera career and <laughs> I think I kid you not I think that fight happened towards the end of the first period off a draw just outside the... Uh, yep, because yep, uh, I was at the end corner there. Yep. And and it kind of sat in that space between the red line and the blue line. And I'm pretty sure I have the footage on camera from that exact fight. But yes, I if my memory serves me right, which it doesn't do in my old, old age... <laughs> I was like, I know that feeling. My memory never does. We met at Riku Coliseum, but you were right. We kind of rolled like in conversation with the same people. Yeah. Like Jeff Merrick, yep. Steve Dangle. Yep. If I say Justin Fisher or any of those guys, yeah, yes, that's yeah. like, that, that whole kind that's of whole Steve's yeah, yeah. crew. Yeah, Justin, Jeff, and And then Steven, obviously the MLS, the, yeah. at, the, the at MLS, the Pension Plan, uh, yes. Plan Puppets Boys, which is kind of wild that I made a friend, if I dare call you a friend, I consider you a friend. I made a friend on the other side of the planet because we appreciate each other's sense of humor? I think um, like, I think it's kind of funny too, though, because you're like, oh, how did this happen? Um, most of my North American friends and some of my, you know, probably my best friends in, in the world, I met online. And not just Twitter. We're talking like we met uh, one of my really, really good friends here, uh, Bobna. Uh, her and I met as 13-year-olds on LiveJournal because there was some group where you could claim your favorite players and she wanted to claim the person who I had and we had to share. And now, you know, <laughs> 17 years later, we're still friends. When I moved Can here- Can we talk about that concept for a minute? Claiming yeah. players as your own? Yeah. And it was Matt Stajan. So, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I'm staying with this. Um, Matt Stajan was a rookie at the time and I um, was still quite new to hockey and I had asked someone, I was like, who should my team be and who should my player be? You know, like, who am I? Yeah. Because obviously in Australia, my... Matt Stajan isn't the guy that anyone hey, picked. Yeah, but but he was a rookie at this point. You know, right. he was the the future of the that kind of... He never was. Uh, <laughs> just... No. Go with me here. <laughs> I will, 100%. And actually, two, two, two like, teenage girls on this. the internet. 100%. And so this person uh, was like, oh, it's the Toronto Maple Leafs and it should be Matt Stajan. And the only is the person who said this to me was Canadian, but they were living in Korea. And so this whole kind of ecosystem is insane. Um, but the other funny thing from it is that many of us grew up to – do what we do now. A lot of us work mm. in hockey now mm. or write about hockey and do all of these things. And we all started as, you know, teenagers on live journal being like, no, Matt Stajan is my it's person. My and player. it's funny because even as you I can grew have up, Carlo Koliakovo. Hey, I definitely had Carlo Koliakovo on my wall as How many can you pick? No, oh, no, no. on your wall. He's no, no, on no, my I, wall. I, not on my I journal. I had a 
photo and it was all of the uh, the the Maple Leafs who were on the World Juniors team. And so it was like Matt Stajan and Kyle Wellwood and Carlo Koliakovo mm-hmm. and then uh, two other guys who I don't remember. Um, <laughs> they were there. They were probably adorable, but, you know. They evaporated. I'm, I'm 14. Yes. Like, my tastes have evolved. Um, or but have they? No. <laughs> maybe not, to be maybe fair. Maybe not. Maybe not. That's the kind of thing I'm convinced it gets etched in your psyche at like 11 or 12. Yeah. And no matter what you do, you can be like, oh, no, no, no. My tastes have totally changed uh, in perspective. Partners? I hate that word. Like... <laughs> interests people I like people I like to look at on my wall but then you go to your best friend and you're like yeah I've evolved and they're like no you haven't <laughs> like, and no, they I rhyme it off they're yeah. like this person then this person then this person then th-. and what do they all have in common all I go variations on a thing. shit yeah it's funny though because you know you, you were laughing when I, I said Matt Stagent but it's almost like the the players that you attach yourself to when you're young as a fan, mm-hmm. um, short of them doing something super egregious, there's always going to be... 100%. My, um, my mom Wellwood. has... Oh, Kyle Wellwood is ridiculously popular in Australia for reasons I don't know. Like, I know Australians with a Kyle Wellwood tattoo. I don't understand, but it is a thing, and he it's should. just... He could have made a second career for himself he in the He could AISL. have made a killing in Australia, making <laughs> no money, but just being adored by like the dozen Australians free who have shrines to just him. Just free pints. Oh yeah, there would have been a lot of free alcohol. But um, like the Matt Stajan thing has be- kind of become a, a kind of running funny, not running gag, but just kind of a funny theme mm-hmm. in my life to the point that um, I have a Matt Stajan bubblehead. I want to say I have it. My mother actually has it. It, it lives... C- in Australia, uh, but my mother keeps it, it lives, on her. He lives. His address is five five five. Yeah. No, he lives in Australia. He lives in like Australia, that. and it's dual citizen. It's uh, not like he just lives in a box. My mother keeps him on her desk with a photo of my face stuck to the top of it, and that's, that's not creepy me. at all. Like my mum is just like, here you are. <laughs> And You're it's just like this Polaroid day. photo of my face stuck on top of a very small Matt stage in Bumblehead. And it sounds very weird, but it's also just kind of, that's what my parents first remember me getting into hockey and that's just kind of what it, it's come to represent. But on the plus side, he's an incredibly lovely human being. So my taste as a 13-year-old yes. was clearly very good. Maybe not from like career success-wise, but as a like... Not at all. I'm, and that's the point. I said this earlier. I'm going to talk about him for a sec because we could very easily make fun of him and be like, oh, he wasn't that great. He had you know, such a long could, career. He reminds me in a way, and all my hockey friends will probably murder me, including Dylan, but he has this Bozak-esque career to him yes. where you're like, oh shit, he's still playing? And someone's like, yeah, he's on the Leafs with Bozak. I was like, oh dang. But Matt, I remember, because he was involved in that big trade that went out to Calgary. I I was in, I was living in Seattle at the time. Um, And so it happened at maybe eight or nine in the morning. And I remember it happening and being like, Devastated, just utterly <laughs> devastated. How could you do this to me, Brian Burke? And How just, could you? I was so sad. And then I was like, well, he's not dead. <laughs> no, he's just in Calgary. He's actually closer I was like, to you. He's not dead. And you also don't watch, or, like, I had been watching a lot of Leafs games because yeah. I was in North America. 
Um, and I was like, but this is like, you're, you're here for two and a half months. Like, mm-hmm. you'll go back to Australia and stop watching hockey again because you can't get it. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's really fine. Like, he's fine. Everything's fine. It's going to all work out. Yeah, Dion uh, Phaneuf, great for the Leafs. And I was and like, okay. Dion Phaneuf, Keith Ollie. There was, do you oh, remember yeah. the YouTuber Ottawa Ghost? Do you yes. ever watch any yeah. of his stuff? So I don't think I but I remember He it. did all these funny parodies where he would just essentially roll out clips and he would redo the voices for it. <laughs> and and that that was an epic morning. I think it was early February. I'm looking at Dylan. Yeah, re- yeah. yeah, it is early February. Crazy enough, it was a Sunday. I had a Marley's game that afternoon. Yeah, I think that's why I was up because I had a, I was working in the Western League at the time and I think we had a Sunday Ev- game as well. Everett? Yeah, I was working yeah. in Everett. Because in my head when you said Sunday, I was like, I knew I had to go to the rink so yeah. we must have had a game and yeah. I had to be like, okay, got to be at the rink at like 11. <laughs> Let's go. So Ottawa Ghost does this thing and, and, you know, Brian Burke, the man that I'm sure he has happiness in his life but it never shows on his face. He comes out, he unravels this piece of paper, and then Ottawa Ghost's voice comes over. And he's like, ah, I'd like to announce a trade. Uh, we've traded uh, Matt Stajan and who are all, there was four guys in that trade, wasn't it, Dill? Jamal Mayers. Jamal yeah. Mayers, Matt Stajan. I was like, oh, that's right, Jamal Mayers didn't always Ian, play for the Blues. Ian White, who was the Ian only was guy. Ian White was in that picture. He was in that picture, the, one of the guys I didn't remember. Ian White, the guy that everyone was upset over, like in this trade. Uh, and someone Nick else who played for the Leafs at the Hagman. time. Hagman. Oh, yes. And Hagman oh, yes. was the fourth yeah. one. And I am Brian Burke. Uh, no, and he's like, and all these, he's like, so many fucking guys, I gotta write it down on a piece of paper, and he unfolds <laughs> his thing. It's hilarious. For Dion Phaneuf. That's it. But that was the same morning, and he kind of hinted at the end, basically saying, don't leave, we're gonna be back. Yeah, yeah. And he walks back, and that was the Anaheim trade where they got J.S. Jaguar. Oh, and yeah, you're like, that's and they, right. they unloaded Vesa Toskala, yeah. which no one thought was ever going to And Jason Blake. This guy's a genius. I don't care what anyone thinks about him. How did you swing that? Uh, Everett Silvertips. Yeah. Washington Capitals. Yep. Uh, you've gone through this story a hundred times. I've probably heard it myself uh, 10. Kind of wild. Like, do you ever look back and just say to yourself, this, is, this ride's been nutty? Um, because I, kind of, eh, it's a bit of a flight. It is. It's. It's. I'm very, scared going to Montreal. It's 45 minute flight away. Look, um, it's funny because uh, going overseas, moving overseas, traveling for long periods of time is really a kind of part of the Australian culture, particularly right. in your kind of uh, that gap year. And it, people move to England. Mm-hmm. That's all. That's a really popular thing. People move to England uh, or people go to Canada, but a lot of the time they go and work at a school or they go to Banff and work on the ski fields and all of that. And I, I didn't do that when I finished school. I went straight into university. Um, and then I started volunteering with ice hockey leagues Mm -hmm. and I ended up in a lot of these places because I just um I wanted to learn how to do what I was doing with these teams better Mm -hmm. because I really loved hockey and I loved the Australian Hockey League and I wanted to be able to contribute to it more and more valuably um and in Australia summer break is uh like November to February right um because of the southern hemisphere and so it was is that where it is You'd be we, surprised how many people get confused <laughs> when I say I was a Christmas you elf just in said dis- summer. Yeah, I was a Christmas elf in summer. They're like, "What?" And yeah. I was like, "Hemispheres, season North, changes. Come south, on, guys, like, watch The Simpsons." Yeah, you're like, "Air, it's it's a bit different." Um, <laughs> but I kind of just I just wanted to learn how to do things. Um, and at the time, 
I had no intention of, of trying to make sport or hockey a career because it seemed Bullshit. unfeasible. Um, and I was at law I, school. No, I know, but come on. No, no. For the for the, the longest time, um, it was really about learning to do something better. Um, and so when I was looking for the, the capitals, uh, I'm not eligible for any internship mm. in the NHL. You, there's certain requirements they have to meet under law and I'm technically not eligible for them. So I had to figure out how to get around that. And so I made a website and a DVD mm. kind of package mm. and I sent it to every NHL team. Of course team. you did. And everyone said no. Mm. A couple of them were like, if you're in town, you know, come and see us. And and to be fair, to give them credit, Jason Botterell and Don Sweeney mm-hmm. emailed me back and were like, if you are in town, come and see us. Um, I never got to Pittsburgh, but I was in Boston. And mm-hmm. Don Sweeney gave me an hour and a half of his time to sit in his office and talk about developing hockey and mm-hmm. leagues and things like, like that. Um, it was funny though, because when I did turn up, I think they thought I was a guy because uh, I used to not include my first name on a lot of things or my name was slightly ambiguous enough that they they were never sure. Um, and I, w- I would do that on purpose, but no one had said anything. And I think the cats got back to me um, and I don't remember the name of the gentleman who was the assistant GM at the time who did. And it was a no. And then I realized, oh, Ted Leonsis has an email address where you can email him and give him like your opinions on the team or what they could do. That seems like a healthy way to engage with your. It doesn't well, seem healthy from, at all. He's from, you know what fan bases oh, are yeah, like. Yeah, um, and he was from that one percent suck exactly. Um, he was from, but you know, at the time, or Ted was the uh, chairman of AOL, so he was big into the digital space, mm-hmm. and they were just starting to get into social and all of that. And so, I was like, okay, let's give that a chance. So I emailed him. And then I got a phone call at like five in the morning one day and it's like, hi, this is Ted Leonsis. And I was just like, oh, <laughs> my God. And so Ted was like, yeah, yeah, come on over. You know, if you're in town, you can stay for as long as you want. You know, we'll figure it out, yada, yada, yada. And then so I was already coming to North America. I was going backpacking through North America. And so I tacked on another six weeks at the end of it. I was like, yeah, we'll just be late back to university. Uh I went there and spent, you know, six weeks following uh, Brett Leonard around. Uh, so he was my boss, which was wow. uh, an entertaining time. Um, I got mistaken for kids. And this is at, 2009? Uh, yeah, this is the start of 2009. 2009. So it's, it's I get there the week after Obama is inaugurated. So it's an incredible time to be yeah. in D.C. And I'm living in a like a long stay hostel with like 20 kids who are all working on political campaigns and things like this. And I'm like... I'm at the hockey team and they thought it was great. Right. You know, and so it was an incredible, you know, six weeks. I learned so much from them and I came back to Australia and, and put as much of that back into my team. But mm-hmm. on my trip around the first time, uh, one of my stops had been in Seattle slash Everett. Mm-hmm. I had some friends there and they introduced me to uh, John Rosen, who is now the LA Kings insider. And he took me around for a, a day uh, around Everett. And it's very funny because uh, he had some situation he had to deal with. So he just left me sitting on the bench and was like, stay here for an hour. And I got talking to some of the players and I'm still friends with some of these people now. You know, some of them went on to play in the NHL. Some of them now run like uh, they got Shark Tank funding and and run breweries or, you know, there's some really interesting kids. But he took me in to meet their general manager for like a five minute chat. I think I spent probably an hour and a half to two hours talking to the general manager about what they do and how I thought things could Mm -hmm. be different and things like that. And then the next year I emailed them and was like, Hey guys, remember me, remember me. Would you like an intern for three months? Like you don't have to pay me. I have somewhere to live. Mm -hmm. 
you know, yada, yada, yada. Um, and they were like, yeah, sure. So I went there for three months. I mean, I was super lucky to be able to do that. Um, Australia has a really good system that helps fund you when you're at university mm. that you don't have to pay back. So I was Ever? working. You pay back your <laughs> loans. But no, no, the Australian government will give you money if you've met certain requirements to help you go to school mm-hmm. so that you can afford to do it. Um, and it's an incredible program. And I had the benefit of that. I had the benefit of um, working a lot and the benefit of just being antisocial. So I didn't spend a lot of money. So I was able to save it mm-hmm. to go on these things. But I also had the benefit of being able to go to Everett and live on my friend's floor on an air mattress for three months. She would drop me off at work in the morning and pick me up on her way home in the afternoon. And um, without people like that, mm-hmm. I don't get these opportunities. It's an incredibly ridiculous amount of people taking chances mm-hmm. and people being willing to help me out and, and those kind of things. And, you know, I wouldn't have got those. And after Everett, um, I went back and I was in my final year of law school. And that's what I really was like, no, I don't think I really want to be a lawyer. And and I still did the process. I still went and applied for all of the legal jobs and I got rejected from every single one of them, which is great. Best thing that happened to me. But I applied for one job that wasn't a law job and it was at a sports agency. And I got that job. And I was like, oh, yeah, so I'm I'm really um, you know no, which one which agency was uh, it? I got a job at Octagon. I, I, but is that is that the Octagon linked with the North American yeah, Octagon? So this it was is the Australian That's, office. I was yeah. I was yeah. curious about so that. So I went in there on a like a, just on a uh, short term graduate contract yeah. to help build some like athlete social media properties and things like that. Um, and that was really cool. I got to work with Formula One drivers. I helped work on a TV show we had called Rex Owners, Australia's Greatest Athlete, where you basically get 10 elite athletes and make them compete in a whole bunch of different sports yeah. to see who is like the, the best. The ultimate. Always. And yeah. it's always like the Iron Man who wins because he's like, I can swim, yeah. I can run, I can do everything. It's like I basically he, fly. Yeah. And then it's like the, the racing car driver who's like, I don't know uh, how to swim. Yeah. <laughs> like super fit, yeah. endurance athlete, amazing, but they don't necessarily know how to swim. You know, yeah. we had a long jumper who could jump all of them, yeah. but couldn't do this. And so it was, that was like super interesting. So I did that for a you know, couple months and then went into football and then just kind of. Aussie in. rules? Uh, soccer. Or, uh, that's fair question. No, no, completely. And I'm just learning actually. F- I was going to ask you about this. We can get to it later. Do you know Toronto is an Aussie rules football team? Uh, yeah, the uh, the Rebels. I was just speaking yeah. uh, with, we were talking about him actually off air. Stephen Caldwell is good friends with the coach. Yep. And I was like, whoa, shit, we have an Aussie rule football team? Okay, it's like, Toronto. You have everything. On? You guys ran a cricket league here last year. I didn't even know. Yeah, they, run an, they ran an international cricket league featuring the two Australians that were currently banned from playing. <laughs> um, and then a whole bunch of the best Caribbean players and a couple of the best Indian players. And it was out in, uh, I'm going to say it was in Brampton, mm. uh, which was the only reason I didn't go because it's very hard for me to get yes. to. And it was incredibly successful because last year, maybe the year before the Cricket World Cup, I think it was T20, may have even been a few years earlier because I think I was still at the NHL at the time because I was like forcibly making them watch cricket in the Mm -hmm. gap before the games would start. Um, And India played Pakistan and they sold out the Hershey Centre in Mississauga just to to watch watch it it? on the Jumbotron. 
Is and there, they were like, this is the Pakistan side and this is the India side and everyone stay there and just watch the game. What sport don't you like? Oh, is gosh. there one? Um, this is ridiculous. We, look, I don't love... Um, uh, Can we talk about that sport? Um, Whatever one you don't like. I don't love the NFL or the CFL, but I think oh. it's because I don't understand it. That's why I like it. I, I, I think it's also because I find it... Um, quite slow yes. when I'm used to I grew up on rugby league and yes. rugby union and if you live in Toronto by the way there is a rugby league team here there's the Toronto Wolfpack um, and they're amazing if you've never seen it go and see that because like that's unreal and once you're kind of used to that and that speed of play and how they do that when I watch the NFL I'm like oh mm. you know and I get the like the tactical bits of it and I understand um a lot of it at like a kind of high level but um I watch the Super Bowl every year and that's about it and even then every time I watch the Super Bowl I'm like oh this this goes on for a really long time the commercial breaks kill me and this is I I got spoiled any any sporting event actually now but I got spoiled working in football soccer right where you just get like once I learned the game and got into it I can sit down and I get 45 straight minutes or 48 straight minutes. That's what I love about. And I can just get into it. Yeah. And then I can use the break to get my snack and go to the bathroom. And now I watch anything and like, we'll be back after this break. And I'm like, no. (laughs) Yeah. I uh, I hate you. There's two minutes left in the period. (laughs) I love, um, I think it's not so much, uh, Look, commercials are really hard for me now that I don't work in sport Mm. because when I was working in sport, I loved commercials because it was a couple of minutes or so many seconds. Like uh, I was really proud of myself. I had learned how to get from my seat in the press box to the bathroom and back in a TV timeout at the NHL. And it's it's a very specific time period. And also it's very beneficial because there's also, and this is not necessarily a good thing, but there is very few women in the in a hockey press box mm. so you're never really having to like fight a line <laughs> like it's surprising if there's one other person and you're like oh hi hello it's like, not like the ice cream bar line there's like three of us no the ice cream bar line the ice cream bar um the only time i ever got ice cream in the press box uh was uh, occasionally the staff putting it in would like come down and be like, hey, here hey, it is. Yeah. And I was like, thank you, because you'd get up there in the intermission and then just be like 30 dudes hovering around already eating the ice cream watching Coach's Corner. And I was like, well, I was told I like, need that more than you. So it was like my friendly little uh, whatever piece of advice that someone tells you secretly. They basically said, don't even bother. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like, don't try because you haven't earned your stripes enough to it be able to partake in ice cream. And I had this weird thought. I'm like, why does someone just buy more ice cream? Yeah. Like, why Why is it there's yeah. always 10 less bars than yep. there are people and in the press yeah, box? That, that always drove me uh, a little nutty. Or like, I would get uh, really hungry in like the second intermission mm-hmm. because I would eat dinner at like five. five. Um, and then hustle up to the press box and, and be like, like working from then. And then I'd be really hungry at the second intermission. But for me... Uh, a game day, I would get to work uh, anywhere between 8 to 11, depending on what the previous day had looked yep. like and so forth. Because um, I didn't always cover morning skates because, to be fair, most morning skates look the same. And someone's going to feed me in the interview, so we're fine. Yep. Um, and then by the time I finished, it would be anywhere between midnight and 1. So by the time I'd come, I'd be like, I'd keep snacks in my desk or like soup in a cup or like something because it'd just be like, I am so hungry. And I would sit with the the video production people uh, because 
there was people there, mm-hmm. you know, and, and they're really great, mm-hmm. solid dudes. And it was always really good. They're to all just, my friends. Yeah, they're, they're just good to not be sitting around yeah. on your own. And I always liked it because I could walk in and be like, can you show me this highlight again? Or they'd yeah. be like, this is coming and that. But you'd just be like, I need food. So bad. Um, and, and sometimes I'd be like hoarding cookies from yeah. downstairs. <laughs> and I'd be like, what? And I'd just be like me with six cookies. And like Mark Mars just being like, um... What are you doing? And I'd be like, you're not seeing yeah, yeah. in my pocket. He's like, what do you like, do what with is those? Here? And I'd be like, yeah, yep, yeah, You're fine. so tiny. Yeah. Where do you put six cookies? That is <laughs> half pockets. your body mass. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Coat pockets. The, and like the calories would just be burnt away from being stress eating them. But yeah. So yeah. It, it, it's all the jogs to the bathroom. Yeah, yeah. You're like, I put in, that's high interval, whatever, you know, the... Oh yeah, hit training, hit, hit training, hit training. Yeah. exactly. Yeah. It's like boom, or running up boom, and down the back. stairs when you accidentally lock yourself in the wrong stairwell, and you're like, "Oh, this door doesn't open." God damn it! Okay, how do I get back? I did this funny thing, uh, and it happened to me up until I finished my time with Maple Leaf Sports Entertainment, uh, in which I never, if I went up, I think to six. So those who don't know, there's the tower, yep. right? The towers where all the offices are. Yep, and it and comes out. You can. And certain places yeah. you can gain entry to the stadium. Yeah, yeah. But only, like, there's not the 15th floor to the stadium. No, no. It's six is the limit. Six is the limit. Yeah. If I'd come out, I think it's on five, I wouldn't know yeah. left from right. Yeah. So I'm in a hallway, and and so left from right, yeah, you're one not is on, a bunch you're of the not suites. you the 300s. You're just in suites. Yeah. One, one side's a bunch of suites, and yeah. you try to work your way up. Is it five or six? Maybe it's six. How do you no. get directly to the press box? Six. Six. So I wouldn't know one suites and the other is press box. And I forever until the end would go the wrong way. And I, I couldn't know. even no, tell no. you which way. I don't know how he's done this because you you walk out and one side is just like you can see the stadium. And the other side, you're like, I can't see the stadium. And that's the way to the... But, but it's still nice. It's like there's like wood paneling yes. around. It's very, it's very it's, inviting it's very nice. looking. Yeah. It's yeah. carpeted, uh, and I'd never be able to do it. Or I'd approach, maybe not the pre- I approach one of the sets of boxes from the wrong side. Yeah, and then you can't. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. and then so you're like, oh, here yeah. I go again. I've done that a few times and got myself like locked in stairwells and just being like, oh, cool. I've got like seven minutes and I'm running back. And there's these really funny stairwells that exist between like three and four. Uh, in the stadium side, yeah. that I believe someone should a cartographer should map Scotiabank it's Arena. Like and ladders. It completely is, and sometimes just like you and you go and up I'm a stairwell, the snake. <laughs> and you're it's like sorry, try again. You're like, how does this just end? <laughs> Who invented the stairwell and it doesn't go anywhere? Or one time, I remember we were there with Toronto FC. They got to take in a Raptors game, and we're in suites, which I've never been in suites. Yeah. I never get to be in suites. And there was a door right outside our suite where you're like, this is amazing, but I guess it's like a caterer's door or something. I know where you so are, you yeah. go down and my card wouldn't let me swipe in. Then you go up and it doesn't let me swipe in either. And you've got some TFC players with you in this situation? I know, no, I was Thank alone you. and I because I do all smart things alone. And I'm just like knocking waiting for someone to open the door i'm like oh my goodness thank you so much i swear i work here it's what i and they're like how did you get locked in a stairwell oh yeah man i i've got myself locked in a a few stairwells i've never got myself locked in a stairwell at bemo because there's really no stairwells uh you just had to learn how to get in and then 
to the fields and you were fine, yeah. pretty much. That's all I did. <laughs> I got in through you the staff entrance the- and to the fields and I was done. And I was like, yeah, no, I've never been to the, the press, press box. box. Every Like anywhere above like the 200s that yeah. I've been has been as a fan. I spent a lot of my time when I was doing MLS work, like loitering at the entrance where the like opposing players come in, like yep. to take their photos and being like. Loitering. I like he said loitering. Yeah, well, that's what I used to. There's a fence there and there's the door. Yes. And I would like wedge myself in the gap. So I was not in anyone's way, but I also could obviously do what I was doing. Um, And I remember doing one of the games and it was uh, PLO was playing Hmm. and he was the one that I had been instructed Mm -hmm. that I, he was the guy you need to get the photo Mm -hmm. of. So I'm like waiting and waiting, waiting. And I was like really anxious that I would miss him. But I was also like, you know what this man looks like. Like you are not going to confuse anyone else in this team. And, And then I see him, he gets off the bus and I was like, yeah. Yeah. Snapping my photos, my photos, and I'm like taking them, taking them. And he like sees me and he like looks at me and winks and goes, hey, and keeps on going. And I'm like taking this photo. And inside I was like, this Dying. is the greatest day of yes. my life. Because when I worked in uh, football in Australia, uh, Alessandro Del Piero was playing for uh, Sydney. Um, and we were really excited about this. Um, and I was working with the Victorian State program but we ran the Melbourne Victories women's program and we were playing a game where we played um uh, yeah I was working with the the the, uh the women's program but also the youth league program Mm -hmm. um and so we were playing at Amy Park which is about a 30,000 seat stadium and so I was running a game in this stadium right and there's there's no one there right it's a youth league game Mm -hmm. it's like the future of the team but no one is really like super into it but the next game was like Melbourne uh and they were playing uh Sydney and so it was like Alessandro Del Piero um and it was very funny the players are arriving for Melbourne um and it was the heart and one of the players on the heart was my next door neighbor and so like he's arrived your life makes no sense I know um and so my my neighbor arrives and I'm like dressed for business. He sees me around our apartment building or like when we hang out normally wearing like a tracksuit right. or like team gear like that. And I'm dressed for business. I've got like a suit on and I've got like heels on and I'm like half yelling at someone. And my neighbor walks up and is like, oh, oh. And like, I'm like, I'm busy, I'm busy, I'm busy, I'm busy. I have to like do this and do this. And I also have to get a photo of like like Del Piero arriving for, for this other thing. Cause you know, we're juggling 20 million things. And he's talking to me and he's talking to me, he's talking to me. And I was like, you need to leave. And then I look, I look as like Del Piero walks past me and I was like, we're not friends now. No. <laughs> I was like, you're done. This was my one job and you've ruined it. And we're done but yeah it was it was also really funny uh having this this uh this guy as my next door neighbor because uh i needed to go out to uh the tr- the university where their training center was one day and i don't own a car and i was like hey you know are you going out for training tomorrow can i catch a ride he's like yeah yeah no problem so i've turned up to get the ride and i'm dressed for business right. um and so he drives me out there at which point it clues into me that he has to drive to the player's car park uh-huh. and I'm in the passenger seat of his car. And so I get there, we get there, and I like climb out of the car. I was like, bye, honey, I'll see you later. I like, just walk <laughs> off. And I just get this text message that is just like, I hate, I you. hate you. And I was like, You're this the- is my revenge. No, he's like, we're not friends anymore. <laughs> he's like, That's no, what he says. we're done. We're- <laughs> Our friendship <laughs> is over. Because there's like half a dozen of his teammates who have just watched me in like heels and a suit get out of his car and wander off into the university. And I was like, 
this is the proudest moment of my life because I just really like this is all of my revenges. I've set you up. Like, is it just me? We stayed friends after or, that though. So does car park sound way better than parking lot? Yeah, car I, park, I would never use parking so lot. Nice. Yeah, it's like the car park. Uh, I'd use parking lot if it's like multi towers, mm-hmm. but if it's just like a yeah car park. There's that, a lot of Australian. You say parking lot if it's multiple towers. Yeah. Except lot is just like. I don't know. I have. There is a lot of phrases that Australians use that make no sense. Uh, I've heard this story before from you, and I'm gonna. I'm just gonna tee it up and let you okay. tell it. But it involves a car park, and you worked for the Blue Tongues, the IHL team. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was just like, I don't know where this story is going, and then as you and said this, that, I was like, so oh, I'm I know gonna this say story. three things, Dylan. When we do the show notes from this. Three things are going to be listed on this one line, and it's going to be Blue Tongues, Car Park, Black Eye. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I. And I love this story so I much. Work... I'm sorry. I'm just like, pro- no. I'm like, tell, no, 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 no. tell all my favorite things, Sasky, no, no, please. No. Uh, I used to work with the Australian Ice Hockey League, and I will say, uh, where the Australian Ice Hockey League sits now is dramatically different to where it, it used to be. The league's approaching uh, nearly 20 years now, Are I think. Are you proud of 17. that? Do you have a source of pride yeah. to watch it grow? Of course, yeah. I remember uh, I remember how proud I was when we got to 10 years. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't been there for the 10 years. Mm-hmm. I'd probably been there... I think I started maybe in year five, mm-hmm. maybe year six um, of this itineration of it. It had grown from various other things and, and that. But when it started to become a truly national league uh, was kind of, yeah, I think it might be 16, 17. Mm-hmm. My like math on what year it was is a bit blurry. <laughs> I'm trying to, I'm like trying to picture and being like, was it that year or was it this year? What but I color think, was your hair? How long was it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, I remember it being at this event, but yes. uh I think it was, it, it's, so it's nearly 20 years. I think it might be 2020 that it, it's 20 years or, or 2021. Um, so the league has dramatically changed. It's like thinking of the league in the NHL now mm-hmm. and the league back when you had the Broad Street Bullies. Mm-hmm. Back then, um, a lot of the import players that we had uh, came from a league called the LNAH, which was basically the Quebec Fighting League. They basically just fought people. Back then we were the, we were the, it was Slapshot and we were the, what does it say, the, the Chiefs or the I was gonna say Jonestown Jets, but no, I don't remember no, if Jets. that's from that. I was like, I don't think that's that's the right thing that I'm, I'm thinking confusing of. all my hockey and yeah, yeah. all my stories into one. Yeah, yeah. But so we were a we liked to fight. Yeah. Um and we were technically under double AHF rules and Which means that no you fighting. get well, you fight but you get thrown out right. and there's some there's some like things with that. But that didn't stop it happening. <laughs> A lot. And I worked with a team uh, who at the time were called the Gold Coast Blue Tongues. Um, and they liked to fight. Uh, we played in essentially a tin shed with an ice rink in it. Um, we had built a lot of the locker rooms ourselves. The players had built them. They didn't have benches in all of them. Some of them were literally coffee tables that we had found and, and, and that. We didn't have showers. Um, we had like plastic containers that we would heat up the water and mount on the wall. And, you, and it was behind a piece of plastic. Um, because... The one of the things that the Australian Ice Hockey League is we won't never no one let that stop them. Yeah. No one let not having access to these resources stop them because this is Australia. Like we are not a hockey country and as much as we want to be like, oh, we want them to be the standard, um, at that time we didn't have that ability. Now, the Gold Coast Blue Tongues no longer exist for that main reason. They were unable to get access 
access to a rink that met that standard as the league started to grow. And and that's fair. That's that's reasonable because there's just not the money and 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 all of that. Now, if the team moved back to Brisbane, that that could fix that, but um ownership were Gold Coast based. They didn't want to they had bought it and moved them to Gold Coast from Brisbane. That's the whole thing. So to parlay the rink out, um, it's obviously a tin shed. Um, the benches don't have dividers. So you have a bench on each side and in the middle of the bench is a gap and that's the penalty box and there's no dividers between any of that. So you have... And where's poor Sasky? Poor Sasky is the penalty box attendant, team first aid officer um, and team photographer. Uh, amongst and referee. other things. Boxing yeah, and, referee. And amongst other things that... Um, you could enter the rink from the opposing team's locker room through the penalty box. It was the only way you had to get in. The home team, you had to come through the other end of the home yep. bench, right? Um, and there was some incident. Uh, I think it may have been a fight, but I think it was a like average fight at best or, or something like mm-hmm. that. Um and average, yeah. It's and, none, and of this, someone, none of this no, Hamilton no, no, Bulldogs, Dara Boys stuff. It wasn't. A, it was just kind of a. Scuffle. I can't even. Remember, it was a bit of a scuffle. Um, and think uh, the Adelaide player is a is a local player. Um, bit of a reputation for it, but decent decent guy. The import uh, the 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 Gold Coast player is an import that I believe had come from the LNAage or, or something like that. Bit of a reputation for. That kind of mayhem. Um, and we had had a few players over the years with that reputation and that's just how it had gone. Um, and so something's happened and like, they've both been kicked out. And I'm like, excellent, don't have to deal with them. They're not sitting here. Yes. Not my problem. Go back to your locker rooms. Easy, done, all good, right? Um, <laughs> story ends there. Thanks story, everyone for story listening. Story ends there. Um, and then I remember hearing this kind of noise and this yell and all of a sudden there's hockey players running in skates through the penalty box to try and get out this gate, this door into the car park. Past Sasky. Past me. And I'm like, oh God, I'm going to die. Yeah. And so um, <laughs> what I what I think had happened- The stampede um, scene from is, Lion King. Is that uh, the, the player from the our team mm-hmm. who had been thrown out had gone around to the opposing team's locker room and like- grabbed the other player and, like, tried to fight him, like, in the locker room, right? And it's kind of spilled into the car park. So it's half in the locker room, half in the car park. Like, it's all happening. Um, these guys, I think, are still wearing skates and or, or they may not be, but the rest of the teams are. And so people are suddenly trying to get past me to get to the car park because there's a, a brawl happening and, like, fans have no idea what's happening. And I'm, I'm four foot 11 and a bit, five foot on a really good day um, and... I'm like, oh God, I'm going to die here because some of these players are easily six foot, you know, six foot five, whatever, and then they're in skates. And I'm copying, uh, like, I have, someone has stood on my foot in skates. Right. Someone has clocked me in the face. And then, bless him, one of the opposing They team, too have bad spatial awareness. Yeah, they have no <laughs> spatial awareness for the, like, tiny person who's just like, please don't die. And, and like, at this point, I'm trying to figure out if it's safer for me just to climb over the boards and onto the ice, which is really because there what are I, no players which left. Which is what I should have done. They I all gone. I should have climbed onto the ice, but at that moment, I couldn't also kind of get there from where I was. Um, 
And then there's seats on each side. And I'm like, oh, do I try and get up on the seat? But I can't get past these players. And this is all happening at a rapid pace of knots. And bless him, thankfully, one of the opposing team has seen me, kind of grabbed me and like half thrown me into the stands, like shoved me up onto a chair. And then like my two You'll friends who were sitting here. in the don't stand worry. right there have like pulled the netting up because we don't have glass, right? This rink does not have glass. It's entirely netting for the whole rink, including the fans. So the fans have lifted the net up and like hauled me into the stands. And I'm like, what the shit is happening? Yeah. And then I just left it to someone else to sort out. So to recap, we have an ice rink. Yeah. And fans in the stands, no players on the ice, yep. guys fighting in the parking lot, yeah. teams evacuating through the penalty box to get to the fight because it's a schoolyard. And Sasuke just says, fuck this shit, I'm out. Yeah, I don't look, need to take this. The the Australian, look, uh, I'm glad the Australian Ice Hockey League has evolved to where it is because it's a great, great product. Um, the teams, the level they're playing now is is really, really good. And um, the quality of, like, the fan experience in a lot of these places is great. The league has done so much work on building a lot of stuff. Um, and I'm, like, immensely proud of, of what they've done because Australia is such a saturated sports market um, and it's really hard to kind of break through in any way. But it's also still a little bit kind of fun mm-hmm. to remember what it was like right at the get-go because mm-hmm. it was so different and so insane from just a kind of management perspective and the things that we had to go to. And and I've done a lot of work with sporting leagues who are non-profit status and small entities. You know, I, I worked at the CWHL and, and we had at, at the league itself five staff members. You know, I worked with the the women's team who uh, – the Melbourne Victory uh, women's program mm-hmm. – um, and we didn't really have any staff members. We were all kind of seconded there from various other places. Um, I think any league or anything at a small level is insane, some of the things you have to go through. Um, but when you look back at them, they're kind of great stories and they're kind of really interesting to see what you can go through and build off. Um, but I just, yeah, I love the league. I have had some of my fondest memories working in, a, in the leagues or with the teams who aren't there mm-hmm. yet, whatever there yep. means. And I don't, I just, in a way I feel I fit in there. Yeah. I just, I like, I like picking like up the, the thing. I like the hustle. I like the everyone pitching in yeah. wearing several hats. Yeah. You're like, no, we're just going to do this together yeah. with sweat and blood yeah. and rock I and think roll. It's, I think it's something that like, <laughs> You can really point and be like, I did this and I helped do that and my contribution matters. Um, I think I try to be really careful to not glorify it too much simply because so many of these leagues, um, particularly the women's leagues that struggle but also represent the elite of the sport, uh, I hesitate to – it's different glorifying the the AIHL. Mm -hmm. It's not the pinnacle of the sport. Right. But when you're looking at the CWHL or a professional women's league and you know what they struggle and then you also remember that they have multiple Olympic medals and all of these things, it's a different way you have to go about it because the hustle and what we can do is amazing but at the same time they shouldn't have to because they deserve 
more than they have. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's a very fine kind of balance uh, when it comes to being, you know, proud of what you've done, but reminding people that, you know, uh, multiple Olympic athletes, you know, multiple medalists shouldn't be having to figure these things out, you know, how to get Friday off work because their bus has to leave at three instead of six to drive for eight hours. The bus is going to stop at like a rest station where you can get yourself subway for dinner because that is the condition the league is in when legit, I was fortunate enough. I'd done, um, I I don't want to say it. I've done enough work with the uh, Canadian women's national team, Mm -hmm. uh, soccer team, Mm -hmm. and it blows me away. And I have... I take far more enjoyment looking forward this year to the women's national team in the World Cup than I did last year looking at the men's World Cup. Because you're emotionally invested in it. And And they don't suck. They are very good. Yeah. That's how I feel about the Australian women's team. I was like, "Mm, sorry, you are like a million times better. And you have this thing, Canadian Canadian women's team, you have this thing where you're like, why isn't anyone watching that you're flipping tables, yelling to your Twitter sphere, being like, someone watch this damn thing, it's so good. I have, um, I was really lucky. Uh, The the Melbourne Victory women's team that I, they worked with were were incredible. And those girls, uh, I have a couple who are playing for Australia now, a couple playing for New Zealand. Uh, one of the girls is a lioness for England, you know, like they're incredible, right? And I, I'm so lucky to have got to work with them when they were like, some of them were 16 or 17 and they were just kind of finding their way and to see what they've grown into is amazing. But, you know, I remember running this team and being in a situation where, no, we didn't have a training kit because mm-hmm. I couldn't afford it in the budget. You know, we only had one set of uniforms and I washed them in my house on a regular basis. You know, like the most I could buy them was an extra set of socks in a different color so they could wear those to training. Yeah. You know, there was a lot of things and it was like, I remember um, I made posters for them and of, and I had designed them and they had all of the players on it because we were going to this event and with the, the men's team and we got shunted to a corner where no one really cared about us and I had all these Sharpie markers and I had to be like, I need you to return these markers because I can't afford to replace these markers because my budget for the year for all of our marketing is $200 and that's all of these posters and these markers and that's all I have. And I don't even have enough markers to give each of you one. You have to share. And someone um, went home with one. And two days later, she turned up at my office. She was like, I'm so sorry. I brought the marker back because I didn't realise I had left with it. And I remember being like, this is absurd. And it wasn't like we were... You don't be sorry I'm sorry yeah. that I have to ask for it back. Exactly. But, but at the, the same world. time, you know, we were like, we don't have any more money to, to, to assign to you because we are a non-profit. We were um, the state governing body yeah. and we ran the team essentially. And this other team that we were named under basically were like, here's some money. Right. Deal with it. Like it's, you know, we were basically like granted in um, as a, like a development thing and so we had a really limited budget uh, and we had some sponsors and I remember we went to Sydney and it was um 
the se- the first road, it was the first game of the season. Mm-hmm. It was the first road trip and it was my first kind of weekend. Um, and I didn't always travel with the team as a, as a manager. Um, I did sometimes, which is a whole other ball game, trying to keep track of like between 15 and 22 year olds um, in a different city. Uh, but we- When uh, you're not traveling with them. Yeah. <laughs> when we had driven up, we had borrowed the work- car they were like you can pay for the petrol but you can have the car so five of us drove up in a five-seater car 10 hours overnight and then slept in the car in the car park till the game arrived um watched the game we were like okay we have to leave in an hour and drive straight back right and i was like hey uh, can i borrow your locker room to take a shower because there's you know yada yada so i've come out of the shower and and it was I'm standing there. I think I'm just wearing a towel. And like the team manager comes up, she's like, Hey, we have a problem. I was like, Great. Yeah. <laughs> exactly what I exactly what I want to hear. I'm I was equipped to deal with this right now. I was like, What's the problem? She's like, There's been an airline strike and we don't have flights home, home. now. And so I was like, okay, you're going to have to give me like two minutes to put some clothes on and then we'll deal with this. So I sorted myself out. Come out. I was like, okay, what's happening? Now, we had an airline deal with Qantas um, through the governing body and Qantas has gone on strike. All the other airlines are still flying except for Qantas, but we can't fly the other airlines because we have a deal with Qantas mm-hmm. and that pays for our flights. Right. We have an allocation of funding it covers our flights and we have a sponsorship deal which means our girls cannot be seen on another flight but there's no flights and we are you know a thousand kilometers from home on a saturday and we don't have accommodation because the flight's in two hours which we're not getting on Mm -hmm. um and it's like what do you what do you do you know okay we take them five girls at a time in a car, yeah. someone but well, four because you have someone has to drive the car back. Ten hours each trip. This is the clay math I'm doing. Yeah. So what we ended up having to do is we uh, got everyone dinner, which someone has to put on their credit card because yep. we don't have a team credit card, and then we have to find them accommodation for the night. But we only have certain hotels that we can stay at because of other partnership agreements, and I have you know fifteen plus mm-hmm. athletes so we have to sort that out by now it's 10 p.m mm-hmm. and we're already five or six hours late for leaving you know yeah. we should be nearly to melbourne by now the players should be home so we have to do that for the night and then the next day the strike is still on so we have to put them all on a bus and bus them back and so they're getting back at midnight the next day and turning around and going to work on monday you know, and we had driven back overnight yeah. and had got home around like eight or nine in the morning after, you know, having been on a road, not in a bed for two or three days. And I just remember being like, this is insane. And this is my very first weekend right. of like the the football. And it just was like, great. This is this is nuts. You know, it's a different reality. We've heard story. OK, you f- first of all. Great storyteller. Uh, I adore you because I get to do this and I get to sit back and see connective tissue. Talked about Everett and you lived with friends in Everett. Mm-hmm. Uh, you were driven to 
Were you with the AAIHL at the time when the, oh, no, no, it was in football as well, where your neighbor played for the team and he drove you to training, (laughs) right? You made friends. uh, I'm going to call it friends. You can call it whatever you want with Ted Leonsis. He invites you (laughs) to come to Washington. I saw Ted last time. Every time they come to town, I I, I see Ted, yeah. Uh, You charm the pants off the guys in the NHL office. (laughs) But at the same time, you said about yourself that you're antisocial, and I'm going to call crap on it. (gasps) I'm not... I would uh, no. I'm not uh, anti-social. Um, I'm definitely an extrovert, um, and, and that. But I, I like my space. <laughs> you have done what I've always noticed about you, and this is through all your friendships you've made in media as well as behind the scenes. I have not found a single person who said Sasky. Yeah, I'm on the fence about her. <laughs> Yeah, they're, they're either on one side or the other. But admittedly, <laughs> I know people who would say that about me. Like, I 100% full transparency. Be like, Clay, eh, he's a bit of a dickhead. He talks too much or whatever. Like, he has really harsh opinions. I get Sasuke, mm, she's a lot. So I was like, mm, she is. No, <laughs> you're a lot of amazing. Where there's got to be a guiding principle here somewhere where you're like, I believe that to be at successful at life, I don't know. I you to be successful in life, I've got to be you. I don't think that there is any one way to be successful, but I think this is the only way I know how to be. And I know for a lot of people, um, I can be a lot, and they don't like things about me. You know, if I disagree with something or I think something is unethical or or, or something like that, you know, <laughs> I think I'm, something's unethical. I'm going to be the first person that it's says because you're an angel. But no, but I'm going to be the first person that's like, you know what, this room needs less of like old white <laughs> like men. Clay. You know, like I'm going to be that that person, and it's not always gonna work out well for me and it hasn't always worked out well for me and and sometimes I have to go through that I'm like do I regret that opinion do I regret voicing that and and sometimes I regret the outcome or the way I phrased it but I don't necessarily always regret that I did because I think that's a little more important Mm -hmm. uh to me um but at the same time it's like you know and and this is uh and, and I will tell you this you know Bluntly, I'm, I'm not always like this. Um, I have, you know, bipolar slash manic depression. And that's kind of part of my personality too. You know, I can be that person. But when it's not pretty, that's just me going off into a little corner. I mean, like, hey, guys, I'll be back in a mm-hmm. in a short while. Like, I've, I've, I've learned that. Um, but I think it's also just, there's a lot of things in the world that suck. There's a lot of things in the world that are miserable. And I just do not see a need to make myself one of that you know I think um being happy or positive or being this person is is not always easy but it's like a decision that I have tried to make because I don't need to make other people's life harder in most situations and I don't want to um but I think it has helped me because uh a lot of the situations I've got to and I think all of the situations I've kind of got to have been just you know parlaying one thing to another to connections mm-hmm. I make and I think the other funny thing is whenever I hear people or kids who are like trying to get into the sport industry or any industry talk about networking I think the worst thing you can do is think of it as networking because right. while what I do is networking and that's how I it's get like to places working to get something back is a really weird way to think of it nothing I have ever done has been 
to kind of parlay it into another step that I know about. I've fallen from thing to thing, but there's a lot of fascinating people in the world with a lot of cool stories and a lot of things I can learn. And that's just kind of been more like what I, uh, you know, uh, want. You know, there's a lot of people that I've met through, you know, Christine Simpson is one of my absolute favourite people that I've just kind of met through the work that I do. And, And I think she... And I are very similar in that sense of being like, we just like to talk to people and we like to get their stories and we like to share our stories and it just kind of goes from there. And I know that's an incredibly vague, big answer that that doesn't really answer because I don't really it have well, I, I, I did Well, I did the meanest thing anyone could do to someone. I said, Sasky, why are you great? <laughs> just, See, why do you talk just, a lot? And I was like, like well, just if you've met my mother, it's a hereditary <laughs> thing because my mother is, my mother is like a, Imagine like Liza Minnelli, but make her like blonde and reasonably Australian. Did she sing? No. Oh, oh I took her to a Liza Minnelli concert once and she did start. I was like, no, no, mm. no one came to listen to you sing. Please don't. But like my mom's a hairdresser. Mm. And so talking mm-hmm. is part of what she does. And I have inherited that, you know, I love to talk to people and I love to have people talk to me and try and help them I'm you know I'm working at a banana republic at the moment which has been a really interesting experience um because a lot of my co-workers are 17 Mm. 18 20 and they're trying to figure out where they're going with life Mm. and they have no idea so I feel like the a the crypt keeper (laughs) um but b like it's super helpful because they're like hey you know what do you know about this? Where have you been? And I was like, oh, I have lots of advice here. I'm like, L- let, let me, me give tell you, you. Let me tell you, my children. My this is and this is by no means at all a podcast that like that. It's like guiding life, kind of career advice, anything like that. Oh, because good because my I don't really ever have any because I don't know. No. <laughs> but I believe exactly, I think, and you you encapsulated it perfectly, I believe in people and their stories, mm-hmm. and I just like that opportunity to kind of yeah. talk and remember that the, that connection is so important. And th- th- it came out of, originally when I started, it was because in my line of work, you have to conduct a lot of interviews. Yeah. Interviews are different than conversations, no matter how good you are Ugh. at making it conversational. You are always driving and leading to something, and it's hard and it's, it's heavy. So hard. I did uh, so uh, last season with the the Leafs. Uh, Adam Wilde and I hosted a kind of podcast video series, uh, TV show. Yeah, TV show, um, and uh, called the Blue Line. Uh, it took me a moment to remember what we had called it. There, <laughs> I was like, I was like, Leafs Nation Network. I was like, that's the TV. Um, and Adam is an incredible natural interviewer. And I like lists and research and I'm obviously not as experienced uh, as he is at it. So I would come in with my pages of yeah. lists and Adam would just be like flowing and talking to people. And all I could think of was like, oh, I much prefer being on the other end of this. I like the kind of conversational thing because we had a like Daryl Sittler and Chris Hadfield and, and some of those people on. And I was just like, oh, God, what if I get this? Will what if I get oh. Remember that. Well, oh, of course, remember terrifying. that. Do you remember that? Of course you do. Yeah. And some of them I we were doing that. three in a row, right? So we're there for five hours back to back to back. And I've got all my notes. And some of them 
I was super comfortable with, I was super familiar with, like we had Scott Moyer on, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, we had Aaron Ambrose from the women's program. Uh, We had James uh, Hinchcliffe, who I adore because I adore motorsports. Um, And those I was really comfortable with because obviously my my background and I knew knew that I knew more than Adam did on some of them. But like I was just always so impressed with, with that interviewing kind of thing and it gave me a whole new appreciation for it and I was also like this part might not be for me he uh Adam is incredible at what he does he's so good he's so so good I don't want to say his god-given talent because he's worked insanely hard hard. and for so long he's been in uh multiple different marketplaces from north of Toronto to out east to out west to on he's hustled he's hustled yeah and then that just kind of ends up being like A plus B equals C. Yeah. Like someone who applies himself and works his ass off. Yeah. In my, it's someone who well, is good well, at what I they do. Well, I think it's also, uh, it, it's funny because uh, obviously he does this Steve Dangle podcast and, and you know, Steve's name <laughs> is the headliner. But Steve will always, you know, point like Adam is the kind of flow. Adam's the one that kind of can keep those things and throwing those things and, and, and Steve can bounce yeah. off that, you know? And and it's just an insane kind of skill. Laugh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jesse <laughs> yeah. laughs in a pot. You know, um, but it, it's such an insane skill that I, uh, like my, I have, which is, and this is also a, a funny, just minute, I have incredibly bad anxiety, um, which is very funny because uh, I constantly find myself putting myself in situations that don't, really like I'm not great for that but I'm just like no like I'm gonna pretend this is not a problem and then like Adam would come in and he'd be like are you okay and I'd be like I've I've, I'm so like I would just be like sweaty and like I was like I need to put a jacket on because I think there's like like come on (laughs) lines drip marks and he's just looking at me and I'd be like and he's like it's fine we got it if you don't have a question like I've got it I was like (laughs) I know this logically but like my hands are leaving marks on my paper and this is very like every now and then they'd be like oh we're just gonna sit on chairs and do it holding a mic I was like where am I going to put my notes what's happening where do my hands go what do I do what do I look are you talking am I talking what am I doing if none of us is talking who am I looking at am I looking at you do I just smile tilt my head good Uh, like we we had kind of had to and we had a great producer in, in Angela Sue who kind of like handhold me a little bit but it was just uh particularly because it was on uh, camera mm-hmm. when we had originally like ideated the show because uh, I was responsible for coming up with the show so I was like you did this one to yourself um it was a podcast mm-hmm. and then it became a video podcast and it was suddenly a whole different kind of uh uh entity mm-hmm. uh so it was it was very cool, but it was it was definitely an experience. Angela Sue, it's funny how small the world is. Uh, former intern of yeah. me and my department. Yeah, and, absolute champion. And here she's gone on. She's the producer of a whole slew of TV shows yeah. that you see on Leafs Nation Network. There are Network. very few people I've met that work as hard as Angela Sue does because she seems to be everywhere at yeah. any time, and she still has time to be like, "I'm at SoulCycle at and 6 a.m." I was like, "How?" And has like I keep growing the number, but by the end of the podcast, it'll be twenty. Four shows, yeah. but whatever. And she's like, yeah, and then we're going to go do this. And then we're going go we to go over to that space and go shoot that for this show. And then, oh, this is perfect. We can do this and this today uh, on the concourse level of the... And I think we were in Boston for uh, the playoffs. Um, and we'd been shooting a few bits and end. pieces. Yeah, yeah, you know. Uh, that was that was great. Me and the uh, Hotel Bar became really good friends. Uh, I think I remember when it all kind of ended because... 
I like put the final post out and shut my computer and like beat most of the people out there because there wasn't anything to do at that point. No. Um, but I was like, is the liquor store across the street still open? And I made friends with one of the security guards and he's like, mm, sorry, honey, no. it's definitely not. <laughs> it's like, damn it. Um, that would have been cheaper than the, than the hotel bar. Uh, but I remember just being like, uh, Angela was like, oh yeah, we're doing this. We filmed all of this. And I, I think there may have been a game and then she was like, I'm getting up at five or six the next morning to go to Soul Cycle. Do you want to join me? I was like, okay, firstly, I don't Soul Cycle in the first place. Mm. And secondly, I do not, definitely do not Soul Cycle at five or six in the morning w- during playoffs. Like, I have been running nonstop for the last this many months. Like, have fun. I just was like, I don't get it because I've never seen you drink a Red Bull or like caffeine. No. Like, at that point, I had a, a like a, a bottle of like a hundred caffeine tablets. And that was just what was getting me through half of the Five stuff. at a time. I was like, yep, this is great. Seven I was like, at I was a like time. there's no sugar in this. You um I know it was not it down great with for the me. Red Bull and chase it. I got to a point a it got to a point that um uh Red Bull gave me like a bunch of Red Bull. Like I had like three or four like four packs of Red Bull that had been like delivered to me. I was like, that's what you get for me like repeatedly tweeting here's me drinking my Red Bull I was like I know how this works this works this actually can work Sasuke I think that's like anything can we do a part two sure can we do this another time again because I just want to have you back because we can we can talk about racing I grew up so my dad was big in automotive racing Mm -hmm. and it's been a part of my whole life and I know it's been a part of your life as well I've watched every Formula One race for like the last four years and I watch pretty much all of the IndyCar and I watch all of the Formula E. So there's, yeah, there's a lot of racing in my life. And I think now that we had a chance to work together and we didn't, and we should go find a way to work together. Yeah, I think that sounds like a good time. I like to yeah. end the podcast the same way each and every time. So from Sasky Stewart, it was so generous with your stories, with your time. <laughs> For myself, Dylan, working the board. Luca, who's probably going to end up editing this. Thank you, Luca. Please, please, please be good to yourself. I need your vegetables. You should beat me to it. You're awesome. <laughs> <laughs>